Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 18, 13 through 27, called Balancing the Scales. We've got to be careful when people offer counsel to us. And in what sense should we be careful? I think we should be open to what people have to say. I think we should be teachable. But I think we also need to test everything against the word of God. And it would be nice in life if every situation we faced had a Bible verse. Amen? <laughs> because if we had the Bible verse, we wouldn't have to worry about other people's opinions or practical wisdom or anything like that. But life and the Christian life, as you well know, is not like that. There are many things where the Bible doesn't have necessarily a crystal clear verse on it. There may be a principle, but there may not be a crystal clear verse. So what do you do in those cases? You open yourself up to godly wisdom. There's safety in a multitude of counselors. If one person tells you something, maybe go to two or three other mature Christians and say, hey, I've been mulling this over. What do you think? Take it to God in prayer. Look for biblical principles, obviously, that affirm that truth or confirm that truth. But don't be closed off. Don't think that you can't learn anything. I mean, imagine being Moses. Okay, pop. <laughs> you know who I am, right? I've been signing autographs all day. You see my staff in the corner? I just held that over the Red Sea and boom, Red Sea split. Egyptian army drowned, you know. Don't you know who I am, brother? I got this. No, no, no. Moses didn't do that. In fact, Moses was the most humble man on the planet at this time. And humility is a very important part of leadership. If you think that you've arrived and nobody can tell you anything and you don't need any practical wisdom and you're just closed off and it's my way or the highway, then you are going to fall on your face at some point. We all need to keep learning. We all need to remain teachable. There's passages that I will reread and find new things that I never saw before in the Bible. God always does that. And so... When Jethro offers this advice, I think his motivation is good. And I'm going to say that I think it was spirit-inspired, as I will share in a moment. I think reading between the lines here. But I will also say I see the caution of some of the scholars. McGee basically says this. He believes that this structure from Jethro produced the Sanhedrin. That's the 70 leaders of Israel in Jesus' time, plus one, the high priest. And they were responsible for crucifying Jesus. And so McGee's like, uh, uh, on Jethro's wisdom. At the same time, we have to understand that the elders and leaders that were selected in Jethro's advice became the New Testament model for elders and pastors in the church. And so we can't just take one example, negative example, and say, oh, it's all bad. What Jethro intended to do was bring more of the congregation, if I can put it that way, into the solution. And I think you're going to see that that was solid. So here's Moses. He's seated as a judge. This is the judge would seat, uh, sit as is in modern courtrooms. And the difference here is that the people would stand around the judge. And here you can see the caseload that Moses had. This was from morning until evening. And Jethro watched the whole thing. 
And it would appear that there were so many people with so many problems that Moses didn't even get through the stack of files on his desk for the day, if you know what I'm saying. And some of your careers are like that, right? It seems like companies want to squeeze everything they can squeeze out of employees, and you get more and more stacks of file folders on your desk, and you're like, I can't do this. And some of you are dangling on the edge at work. You don't have enough help. You don't have enough time. You don't get enough vacation time. And my heart goes out to you because I know that's a difficult place to be. And I did work in the secular world prior to being, becoming a full-time pastor. And so I understand the pressure in corporate America and, and how disappointing some of those settings can be. But here, as Jethro watches Moses, he just sees all these people surrounding Moses. And we have what's called a judgment scene. Jesus said this in Matthew 19, 28. He said, truly, I say to you that you who have followed me in the regeneration." When the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. You know when a judge walks into the courtroom and the bailiff will say, all rise. Well, there's a day coming when the greater, the greater Moses, all judgment, John chapter 5, has been given to Jesus. Jesus be the judge. And it'd be good that you know the judge. Amen? All judgment, listen to that, has been given to the Son. Jesus is the judge. That's why Jesus, knowing Jesus, is so extremely important. This is not a, uh, a side peripheral issue. Jesus is the way, but he is also the judge. The Father has given all judgment to the Son. And Jesus, painting the picture of judgment coming in the future, said these words. When the Son of Man, Matthew 25, 31, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, imagine that scene, then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. This scene of Moses judging the children of Israel, sorry for the pop there, is a kind of a scene of what's coming. Jesus is going to sit on his glorious throne. I want you to imagine all the nations around Jesus. And here's what the Bible says. We can walk this out because you're familiar with it. There's a book of life. If your name is written in the book of life, that you've been saved by the blood of the lamb, by grace through faith, Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, plus nothing. If your name's there, then he will say something like this to you. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was without clothing, and you clothed me. I was in prison, and you visited me. I was sick. And you came to me. Can I walk it out a little further? I was a little kid in Sunday school and you taught me about Jesus. I was a missionary on the front lines in the Middle East and you prayed for me. And the saints will say on that day, Lord, when did we do that for you? And he will say, when you did this for the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. He might say, you shared the gospel with me. 
You took time to show me the love of Christ. You welcomed me into your church fellowship. You welcomed me into your small group. We could walk it out in many different ways. See, the works of the children of God in Matthew 25 are going to be reflective of people who are saved. The works don't save you. The works testify to the fact that you're saved by grace. But then the judge will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who work iniquity, I never knew you. And that great day is coming, brethren, a day of judgment when the judge, Jesus, will sit on his throne. And even the apostles are told they will have thrones and they will judge the 12 tribes of Israel. I know judgment is a very difficult, uh, debated matter in a contemporary culture like ours. The one Bible verse that non-Christians know is, judge not, lest you be judged. Now, most of them don't know the context in which Jesus said that, but the context is hypocritical judgment. Jesus said, take the log out of your own eye first, then you'll see clearly the speck that is in your brother's or sister's eye. Jesus was not saying not to judge in Matthew 7. He was saying, just don't be a hypocrite. Make sure you've gotten the stuff out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to help other people out like Jethro is trying to do for Moses in this text, right? And so here's the point. The church needs to be better at making righteous judgments. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 4. Does any... Does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world, 1 Corinthians 6, 2? And if the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we shall judge angels, 1 Corinthians 6, 3? How much more the matters of this life? If then you have law courts dealing with the matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the church? What a sad day it is when the church has to go to the secular court to work out a court case of someone suing a church, which has happened in the United States of America. And I I could go on and on about divorce courts in the United States and how two so-called believing Christians can go into a secular divorce court where they now hate each other and are trying to divvy up their belongings and, and the like. And I know there's a lot of pain even talking about this. But I want you to, to imagine just for a second that the saints are going to judge the world, which we just read, and judge angels. And we can't even figure out how to take care of our little matters in the church, Paul says. Like, is there not one competent individual among you who could work this out for you and you guys would actually take biblical counsel and figure it out? But there's nothing new under the sun. Moses is surrounded with all these people. What are they whining about? What do you think their complaints and disputes are about? Joe, he took extra manna. He took took some of my manna, my manna What? Can you imagine a husband and wife coming in? You know, Moses, finally, I'm so glad I I got to you. This spouse of mine, I I don't know what to do with him. Instead of the toilet paper going from the top down, he does it from the bottom up. It's really an issue for me. Have you noticed people have a lot of toilet issues? There's issues about the seat and what position it should be and stuff like that. I have no idea what they were complaining about. 
But they had issues, and there were so many of them that Moses couldn't even get to them all in a 12-hour day. And Jethro watched it. He was like, dude, this is not good. This is not healthy for you or healthy for the people. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Listen to our podcast mini-series, A Step Closer. In these series, Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics we face in our life from a Christian perspective. Our next series is called In His Image, A Case for Life in a Post-Roe v. Wade World with guest speaker Scott Klusendorf from the Life Training Institute. You know, sometimes we as pastors think, oh boy, I don't want to get distracted. I want to stay tethered to the Great Commission. And I agree, we should be about the Great Commission. But the question is, what does the Great Commission teach? The Great Commission teaches that we are to disciple believers. What does that mean? Well, Jesus told us in Matthew 28, we're to teach them to obey all that Christ commands. What is one of those commands in Scripture? We're not to shed innocent blood. Exodus 23, 7 teaches that. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19 teaches that. Matthew 5, 21 references that. So when we speak about abortion, which is the shedding of innocent blood, we're not distracting people from the Great Commission. We're helping them align with it. You can listen to A Step Closer on walkintruth.com, or you can subscribe and follow Walk In Truth on your favorite podcast app, like Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. That's Walk In Truth's A Step Closer on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And are trying to divvy up their belongings and, and the like. And I know there's a lot of pain even talking about this. But I want you to, to imagine just for a second that the saints are going to judge the world, which we just read, and judge angels. And we can't even figure out how to take care of our little matters in the church, Paul says? Like, is there not one competent individual among you who could work this out for you and you guys would actually take biblical counsel and figure it out? But there's nothing new under the sun. Moses is surrounded with all these people. What are they whining about? What do you think their complaints and disputes are about? Joe, he took extra manna. He took took some of my manna, my manna What? Can you imagine a husband and wife coming in? You know, Moses, finally, I'm so glad I I got to you. This spouse of mine, I I don't know what to do with him. Instead of the toilet paper going from the top down, he does it from the bottom up. It's really an issue for me. Have you noticed people have a lot of toilet issues? There's issues about the seat and what position it should be and stuff like that. I have no idea what they were complaining about. But they had issues, and there were so many of them that Moses couldn't even get to them all in a 12-hour day. And Jethro watched it, and he was like, dude, this is not good. This is not healthy for you or healthy for the people. Now, I don't know about you if you have the gift of patience, but I am not good with waiting in lines. I will confess it. I do not walk in the Spirit most times in a line. If I had to wait for Moses till 6 in the evening, and I was there all day, I think I'd be a little flustered. And that's what was happening. Moses was trying. He was doing his best. But Jethro, sometimes we need an outside person to take a look at what we're doing and go, uh, (laughs) let me me write you a one-page report on what I see here. 
uh, you're going to internally combust in a matter of days. This ain't going to work. This doesn't fly. And I know this can go out of the workplace into your homes for you mamas, right? Because the toughest job on the planet is being a mom. And I know you're juggling all this stuff. And you're like, yeah, you talk about help, Pastor Michael. I need a 1-800 helpline. I feel you. And I don't even know what to do about that. But I brought it up. So... <laughs> But I will say that it's easy for moms to feel all alone. So I'll just say that dads, we have to step up. And I know sometimes grandmas and grandpas and great grandparents can take some of that load. And that's always appreciated. Clearly for Moses, his work had become all consuming. Moses had one kind of fatigue in Exodus 17, holding up his hands and quite another kind of fatigue uh, in a different kind of battle in Exodus 18. And, and we face both. And we need practical wisdom. And we need to not try to do this alone. If, if you're trying to do the Christian life alone, that's hard enough. Let alone, you know, some of you are feeling isolated and lonely. And this is important. I can't tell you how important uh, leadership is in organizations, government offices, sports, churches, companies. We all get it. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that was happening, all that he was doing for the people, 14, a day at work with Moses and his conclusion, he said, what is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge and all the people stand about you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, well, it's because the people come to me to inquire of God, to seek God's will, NIV. When they have a dispute, it comes to me. And I judge between a man and his neighbor and make known the statutes of God and his laws. Moses says there's two primary reasons people come to me. One is they want to know the will of God, probably from the law of God. And two, they have some sort of dispute with a neighbor and they want to know what is the law concerning what we do with this. And the two probably meld together in some cases. I've got an issue with my neighbor. What should we do about this? So you can imagine so many new things coming at this new nation and Moses having to experience all this new stuff. And each time an issue came to him, I think he had to go to the Lord. If he didn't know what to do, he would have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, how do I do this? I want you to see something in Exodus 33. Flip over there. You might say, well, how did this work? And how did Moses get the insights that he got? 33.7 of Exodus. Now, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp and a, uh, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting, 33-7. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. It came about whenever Moses went to the tent that all the people would arise and stand. We've seen the imagery of the judgment here, the uh, courtroom scene. Each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship, each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as close as you can get without seeing the face of God. This is a Hebrew idiom. We'll talk more about this as we go on in Exodus. Just as a man speaks to his friend... And when Moses returned to the camp, 
his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Back to Exodus 18. Here's the point. It would seem that every time Moses got something that had no precedent, like he didn't know what the answer was, he would go to the Lord. The Lord would somehow descend in his Shekinah glory and would share the information. And this is before the Ten Commandments. So obviously Moses already has laws and statutes being revealed to him before he gets the official stone tablets on Sinai or Horeb. He's already getting case law and finding out obviously a lot about God's heart in situations and how neighbors, if we're to sum up the law, should love one another and should love God and one another as they love themselves. But this was not happening. And Moses' father-in-law, 17, Exodus 18, said to him, the thing that you are doing is not good. None of us was meant to bear heavy burdens all alone, not Moses, not anybody else. Moses was a humble man. He was a gifted man. He was called by God, but he was not meant to bear the burden alone. And I would just say minimally for those of you who are maybe new to the faith or you're not connected with the church, you got to get in a Bible study. You got to have somebody that knows you. You got to have someone who's either female to female, male to male, who's your friend, who can pray for you. You've got to have some relationships like that where somebody knows who you are and you could ask for prayer and it's beyond just a Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I'm doing fine and great. And you may not. You may feel like you're dangling on the edge, but nobody knows because you haven't opened up your life to anybody. That is not the way to live the Christian life. And we can't say we're above counsel because Moses wasn't above it, so we can't be above it. You've been listening to Balancing the Scales, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through 27. If you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this radio station. Same if you're listening to podcasts, you can click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they'll be the same to someone else you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe you're one of those people that slips in the back door of the church a couple times a month. You sit in the back row, nobody knows you, and as soon as the last song starts, out you go, exit, stage right, stage left, and you're gone and nobody knows who you are, nobody knows that you're even a member of this local church that you attend. And you may say, well, here's the deal. I'm afraid. Uh, I'm afraid for people to know me. Maybe you'd say, I've been burned in the past, so I'm real careful. I'm real guarded. I get that. Um, and, and I could tell you those emotions probably are real for most of us. If you're, If we're not a real outgoing person, if we're a bit of an introvert or whatever it may be, It's harder for us to open up. It's harder for us maybe to connect with a small group or even let people know that we're part of a church. But there's a downside to that attitude because when you go through something, (laughs) when you want other people to know you and check on you, they don't know you. When you think about serving the Lord, it's hard to connect or uh, move to the next step. 
I understand maybe checking things out for a while. I get that, you know, staying maybe a little bit on the fringe until you know that you can feel at home, but don't wait too long. Uh, take a step. I, I think it's always better to risk because you, you'll never know um, loving well unless you take a risk. And you may be listening right now and, and you might say, well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor Michael, I've been burned. Look, I have too, <laughs> uh, many times. But I think loving others, uh, there's so many good people in the church, is worth the risk. Uh, the, yeah, there's some negative stuff that goes on in the church, but there's so much good. So many wonderful people. Get back in the game. Get your heart back there. And I, I think you'll find the Lord will give you what you need. Well, thank you for listening to Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance. Hey, if you're new to us, you can find out more about the ministry when you go to walkintruth.com. We're a Bible teaching uh, church in the city of Corona who p- got on the air in 2008. The Lord's grown the ministry, and all we can say is we're so grateful. And I'd encourage you to be praying for us. Tell a friend. If you want to know more, you can go to walkintruth.com or always call during normal business hours. If you need prayer, you need someone to talk to, 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. We'll see you right here tomorrow. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month or give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through 27, called Balancing the Scales. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.